The following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. In the heart of East Utica lies Joey's at 307. That's 307 Mohawk Street. It's where the eclectic old school meets the new school cuisine. Dine in and enjoy some amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, lunch specials, a revolving dinner menu, and even offering catering. Call them at 315-864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of Disruption Network Productions Incorporated or any of its officials or sponsors. The following program contains explicit content. Listener's discretion is advised. In this final episode of Unbreakable, the Donato, Danny Nappy story, the sit-down continues. So 2017, you guys get back together. Yeah. You're hanging tight. Yep. There was a turning point recently, though, that, that we should talk about. And that, uh, unfortunately, your mom passed away yeah. uh, back in December. All right. So he and I reconcile when we're tight. And my mom's aware of that. And my mom and I, that's, those are the years that we really weren't speaking. I don't think it had really much to do with the fact that he and I reconciled. Like, again, <clears throat> we weren't speaking for our own reasons. I always felt, though, that um, I felt this thing where, like, you know, with her, maybe you had to take sides. And I didn't care for that. But... I reconciled with her early of summer of last year, 2020, and she would ask about him. So there's, a, listen, if you were with somebody for 35 years, you, you love, you know, it's, despite what happened that sucks, it's the love of your life. You ask about how so-and-so is doing. He didn't want anything to do with going up there, being near them, anything like that, and I understand that and I respect it, but he always said, that's your mother and you got to do what you got to do. So <clears throat> in September of last year, she was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, it moved pretty rapidly, you know, and we're talking, you know, in the fall, late fall, things started moving rapidly. And he would always ask me how things were. And I would tell him and he would always say, you know, do the right thing. And you're doing the right thing. Be there for her. Do what you can do. And I did that, you know, and I thought that that was really nice of him to, you know, he stayed at his distance. But he also, you know, was aware of what was going on and, and he would offer you know, what he offered. So late in the fall, going into December, things really started getting, uh, <clears throat> getting bleak for her. And he would ask more. And, um, and he would say, you know, tell her. You could tell it was, it was hard for him to say it. Tell her I'm thinking of her. And I did. You know, I relayed that message to her, and she was tearful. You know, again, you're bringing up some, some pretty serious emotions there. So she spent um, time in the hospital in December, and was discharged from the hospital and went straight to Citroen care. And um, that's when we knew, you know, the diagnosis wasn't good. She didn't have too much longer. So I'm spelling it out to him. And I said, hey, you know, this doesn't look good. And, um, and he said, uh, look, see if it's okay if she wants to see me. Again, I'm visiting her and I relayed that message. Now, um, unfortunately, you couldn't go inside. Those hospitals, fortunately, she was on the first floor. <clears throat> we walked there, you know, walked to her window. We're standing in the snow, and here I bring my dad to see my mom. And they reconciled after all they had gone through, good and bad, and, and very bad. And um, again, I felt this thing, you know, lifted. And we left there, and we took a ride in the truck just to kind of decompress from there because it was a very, very deep you know, um, I don't want to get into you, detail, man. but w- what was said, but it was very right. But it must have been really heavy for you. It was heavy, I mean, but it was but it was lifting yeah. as well. Yeah. So we're taking a ride and we're decompressing, 
And he said, um, it's my brother's birthday. Call your brother up. I want to meet with him. And we met with him, and they made their peace as well. Wow. And it, again, even more lifted. She lasted two more weeks. The day that she passed away was the day that they brought her to the Abraham house. Amazing, amazing people there. They were told, you know, we're only going to allow a few in. We, we didn't know that, that she was, wasn't going to last that past that day. A few at a time, you know, these are the rules for, for, you know, for COVID. And they said, but if you feel that she's passing, we're going to allow the family in, you know, to say their final whatever. So I called him. I said, I don't know how you feel about it, but if you want to come, today's the day. And we sat in that room with her. It was me. It was my dad. It was my brother. It was his dad. Some of my brother's kids my kids, less, And we, you know, we prayed, we sang, told her that uh, we were there, and she passed. And uh, he said, if the man above can forgive me for all I've done, I can forgive her for what she's done to me. You know, I don't care if those two had never spoken again, but but um, I feel that my mom died in peace, and we can let that go because if she didn't, and, and you know what I mean, there would always be, um, there would always be uh, that thing. She's surrounded by love. Yep, losing a loved one is it's you know that's still tough, but it, it was a lot easier when that peace. You know what I mean? The, the family's brought back to you. Now, I don't know how long that's going to last for, but, <laughs> right. you know. But, but it's closure. But it's closure, and we were brought together, and we all know that we can stand in the same room. You know what I mean? And and it just it makes me respect him even more because he did that for me. You know? He did that for us. I think he kind of did it for him too, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it was something that you needed to have to happen, you know, just to kind of get closure like we were talking about. She was with me for 30-something years. I mean, uh, we went through a lot in life, you know. Had a lot of downs. Had a lot of ups. And I just felt that no matter what she did, I know deep down that I should be there for her at that point of her life, you know. I just couldn't. I had to be there for her. I still think I did the right thing. You did. And you want to know something? No matter... I know people say, how the hell could you do that? But a lot of people didn't know I did it. Says, Danny, you did it. You did the right thing. You got a lot of fucking class for doing that. Um, I feel at ease. And guess what? I pray for her every day. It's time to take a break. It's nothing personal. It's strictly business. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Northeastern Roofing and Construction. Based out of Utica, New York, they specialize in residential and commercial roofing. Call them at 315-534-6118 for an estimate or visit their website at northeasternroofs.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Coming soon, Crash's Metal Recovery, located at 2435 State Route 5, Utica, New York. Crash is back and always providing cash for your scrap. Performing services on various forms of scrap metal that are ferrous and non-ferrous. Crash's Metal Recovery, coming soon. Locally owned and operated by the Givanazzo family. Now back to Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. You're not in the criminal life anymore. It's very important to get that out in the open, that you're not in the criminal life anymore. And, you know, you're enjoying your grandkids, you're enjoying your family, and you're, you're enjoying, you know, the simple things in life. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And we have this, and I want to talk about why we have this. I, I, you know, for a long time, he's always said, ah, 
you know, I could write a book. I could write a book. And I believed it. But again, you know, we've had a family's had a very crazy life, Hmm. you know. I never knew how I could or would. And then, you know, he gets home and we're close and he'll point out things. You know, we'll share things on YouTube or we'll watch things on TV together. Look at this guy. Look at these guys. They're telling their story. They're guys that have put guys in jail. They're rats. They're no good. And he could see, I could see him steaming that guys are doing this. And, they're telling, and, they're so, and half of their stories are fabricated or embellished or, you know, whatever. And they're not stand-up guys. And, and, and so finally, I, you know, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you. And I think that everything lined up the way it did. And I looked around and I said, you. Me. You. Can you help me with this? You know, and here we are. And and we're doing it in a different way. Everything we're going off of or all things that have already been said by the FBI, by New York State Police, by whatever records we have, by whatever court records, we're going off of that. Yeah, I guess you do have a story there. Yeah, there's a a lot to it. You know? And it seems like every day there's new gems he throws at us. Really, we we hang are. out a lot. It's, it's important really, to say that are, we do, you know? we do hang out often, and like he will just like throw out the story, and I'll I'll get mad at your dad sometimes. I'll be like, "Why didn't you tell us that before?" And he was like, "Because I forget these things. You know, yeah. I can't remember. I'm fucking seventy nine years old. I can't remember these no, goddamn things." You got a season two. <laughs> yeah, right. You got a season two. Things I remembered. But some of these stories, though, yeah, some of these stories are the very first time you ever heard some of these. Well, stories. yes and no. Some of these stories I lived. Yeah. As a baby. Mm-hmm. Again, I grew up in those courtrooms. I knew those characters, okay? I've got letters that characters had written from their prisons. You write home to our house, and those letters get relayed to him wherever he is from some heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Everything is substantiated. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, again, again uh, these people, when I was a kid, they were just characters. Now I'm an adult, and I re- read about who that guy was. Holy shit. Or, you know, some of the things uh, that I saw as a kid in the restaurant, some of the things I saw on the street growing up in the joints, growing up in the luncheonette. I remember the day, and I was a baby. I remember the day with the garlic and clams pickup. I remember that dock. It was huge. It, it was. It was one of the biggest produce hubs in the city. And I remember running around there. You know what I mean? And I remember playing on the docks. and I loved the tractor trailers. And this, I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. You know, and here that was a, a pretty big part of that case Story of, of that witness recollecting me on the docks. You know, that was a big, pretty big part of that case. Um, yes. There was a Chinese restaurant on what was the name? Was it Charlotte Street? Charlotte Street. Yeah, Tiki, Tiki Toy. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he loved to eat there. And we're eating there and I was throwing a brat tantrum because I wanted McDonald's and he wasn't having it. Sit down. You're, this is what you're eating. And that's that. And I was throwing a tantrum. There were two, uh, uh, two officers, in un- two UPD in, in uniform, sitting and having their lunch across the dining room. And I opened my mouth and I said, arrest him. He won't buy me McDonald's. Boy, he'd give me a look. You remember that? <laughs> arrest him. He won't buy me McDonald's. And he's like this. This is Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. How do you want to be remembered? I guess by the way I live my life. What am I going to be? Remembered as a good father? Raise a good family? I wasn't there for them. You know? I guess I believe in the life that I lived. And I lived the life the right way. 
And that's the way I want to be remembered about. What can, what can I say? Again, you got to remember, 37 years, you know, it's a lot of time in prison. That's why I'm doing the things for I am for him. But I think it comes I tried natural. when he was a little boy, when I got him into motocross, I got him a bike. I even rode them. Probably his brother Dale bike. I rode with him. Then it ended. Boom. Kid was on his own. But so, we had other family. You know, <clears throat> there was a neighborhood family, the Nimes. Um yeah. That's another man that, that definitely had an influence on us and had his hand in taking me to the races. He knew he knew what I was going through. Um, he treated me as his own. And I feel like if it weren't for that opportunity, um, I wasn't racing at the time, but he just brought me every weekend to watch his son's race. Lifelong friends, childhood friends. Maybe that wouldn't have, you know, I always liked dirt bikes when I was a kid, but maybe that... If that didn't happen, that wouldn't have opened my eyes to really like it. And then, you know, the direction I went with it after high school of spending time at the races and stuff like that. So I give him a lot of credit. He definitely treated me as his own. That helped, you know. There were, there were a lot of people. It takes a community, that's for sure. And when they say that somebody, you know, when a crime is committed, it doesn't just affect the victim. It, it affects the entire community, without a doubt. What's the best lesson your dad has taught you? Respect. Do the right thing. It, you know, despite the absence, and it was a long, long absence, he still had an impact on me. He wasn't, like, gone completely out of the picture, per se. He was absent, clearly absent. But it's what he did in the past five years that maybe that's when I needed it the most, you know? So I don't have any issues with him not, quote-unquote, not being a good father. I don't see that. Because of what we have now and what he's done in the past five years, the influence and, and the advice and um, doing the right thing, that's the way he wants to live his life now. And he's living it. It's not just do as I say, not as I do. He's setting the example. He's not in trouble anymore. So that means a lot. And there's a lot of mutual respect. The more I understand him, the more I understand myself. How about this one? This is, and, and I didn't even realize this until we started recording the podcast. In the very beginning, when he said that he wanted to be a firefighter, and, and he mentioned something about testing for the firefighter exam in Las Vegas. I didn't know that. I tested for Clark County, uh, the civil service exam, because I wanted to be a firefighter in Las Vegas when my mom lived out there. How about that? Yeah. You know, things like that, we definitely have the same sense of humor, uh, without a doubt. The other thing I noticed, too, you guys use the same phrases. Going back, listening to these podcasts, we start to introduce your voice yeah. to this podcast. You say some of the things, same things that he said, and you don't even know it. <laughs> Probably not. You no. don't even no. realize it. And I didn't really pick up on it until I started doing some of this editing. I'm like, wow, he sounds just like his dad right here. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this for the world. This is a gift. And like I said, he helps me fly straight because I don't know. I'm happy. Can I say? This is Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. Danny, what about you? What have you learned from all this? Especially going through, like you're taking a time machine doing this podcast. We are hopping back into the DeLorean. You probably don't know that reference, but we're hopping into that DeLorean and we're going back in time to like recreate pretty much your life. What have you taken from all of this and what have you learned throughout this process? I think that the podcast is a way for me to let out because I never told the story to nobody. I was... This would have been a disgrace for me to do back in the day. But being that I'm, a li I'm, I'm living a, a different life and I see people who go out there and do the same thing on these podcasts and get on camera, and it's all bullshit. It's all lies. I'm telling you about my story. I think that's a way of me letting it all out. 
No. Did you feel like when you were coming in here, it was almost like confession for you? Nah, not a confession. I only did that with a priest. And even that was hard for me to do because the first priest, when I did my confessions, said I had to see a bishop. Years later, this is in prison. Years later, I met another priest. His name is, I'll never forget him. His name is Father Gagne. And a couple of years after I told him my confessed to him. They called him to the Vatican. He's still there. This guy was very powerful. It was a private setting, me and him, in his office. I said what I had to say to him. Then after I said what I had to say to him, I just broke down like a baby, cried like a baby. Then what was on my mind is, could I be really forgiven? I had to go to three other different priests to ask him that question. And each one of them said yes. Then I'm watching The Godfather, and Michael Corleone was in Italy. He went to confession. And when he went to confession, guess what? He did the same thing I did, broke down like a baby. I said, look at this, I'm watching this. Look, this this happened to me. But I don't want to tell anybody that was around me because we're in prison. Yeah, yeah, he's not just happened to him. No, it did happen to me. The way he broke down, I had broken down. I guess after the third or fourth priest, they were all different priests in different prisons that I went to. I, it was a, he was an older priest. I do believe it now, you know. I believe that I've, I, I was, I changed my life. I'm not a born-again Christian. Just maybe it answered my questions about my religion as a Catholic. In the 26 years that I was down, I did pray. I go to church when I felt like I wanted to go to church. I made a promise that if I ever get out, I would go to church. Sure enough, when I got out on 08, I was going to church and. Old Forge. Then I went out and did the seven years right back. For five years now, I've been going back to Old Forge for Mass, even Christmas. Winter, depending on the weather. I felt if he answered my prayers, which I think he did, I want to uh, answer my promise to him. And that's why I did what I did with his mother. I guess you learn certain things about this life, too. It's no good to go not liking a person or hating a person, or he did this to me. Forget about the nonsense. Do you try to live a good life? I have nothing to bullshit here. It's, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to be a Catholic or him to be a born-again Christian. It's just how my life changed. And it's and, and whether anybody wants to believe it, believe it or not, because I'm not trying to prove nothing to nobody, to me. And he could see that, uh, too, Dave. He, he sees that. Me before and me now. It's a matter of having faith too, right? Yeah, you know. It's not really you pushing religion on anybody. It's having faith in a higher right. being. Right. It's just like anything else. You can't push anything on it. Say you're a drug addict. I can't push rehab on it until you're ready to go to rehab. Because it's, I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face. Same thing. I see different. Uh, and that's why one of the reasons too I fell in love with uh, Old Forge. I love the drive up there. Whether it's rain and snow or a beautiful day, I, you know, now I look at the trees and everything. I look for animals. That's one of the good things that uh, I like to do is going up there. A sense of tranquility, right? Yeah. When you're a young person, see, say you take a trip to New York around the thruway, and there's landscapings that are beautiful, you're in a hurry to go to New York. You don't even notice them. But when you get older, you pass this field a hundred times, and now you see it. Wow, it's so beautiful. It's got two tones <clears throat> of green. The shrubbery's so beautiful. You notice that after you get older. Maybe it's because 
you're not in a hurry. You're not in a rush. Now you see things different. And it also could be a matter of you being locked up for 37 years, too. You appreciate the finer things, the simpler things in life. It could be. The wander in the ordinary. You like stop the, and you, smell the roses. You stop and smell the roses, you know. His lilac tree in front of his house. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. It's my favorite flower. Yeah. <laughs> but are your senses a little bit, you know, on a higher level, right? I imagine. After being locked up for 37 years, I imagine all of a sudden everything is more brighter. Everything smells a little bit better, right? Or Probably. The only thing that ain't the same is the food. It seems like You've when I was that, younger, yep. food was good. Now it changed a little bit. Eh, mm-hmm. give it, take. it has because they freaking you don't know what they're putting in our food these days. That's for a whole other conversation. <laughs> he has a situational awareness that I don't think many humans have, and I think that it's uh, a lot of it has to be him naturally, but a lot of it has to it has to be his environment and the life that he chose. His situational awareness is, it, and his street smarts. Couldn't get that in college. Well, that's why I lived to 79 years old, Dan. We appreciate your audio attention span throughout this journey of Unbreakable, the Donato, Danny Nappy story. We would like to thank our sponsors, Joey's at 307, Northeastern Roofing and Construction, and Crash's Metal Recovery. Follow us on Instagram at the Real Danny Nappy. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word of this podcast by sharing on your social media and telling your friends. This has been a Disruption Network production, 2021.